Welcome to Spirit Speaks, where angels and non-physical beings of pure love share their wisdom, perspectives, and tools to help you in your life. I'm your host, Lisa Virtue, and I channel spirit by allowing them to use my voice to speak directly to you. I'm also an energy healer, where through personal, customized sessions, I facilitate your transformation to your most amazing self. Spirit has been working with me for over a decade, and in that time, I've been witness to many miracles and life-changing moments. I've experienced a multitude in my own journey, so know firsthand what truly is possible. It is our desire, Spirit and myself, to support you in living your most authentic, beautiful life. Welcome to the show. Today is very special for a number of reasons. So this is the first time the show will be broadcast and also be available as both a podcast and on video. So it will be available on YouTube. You can find that through my website, lisavirtue.com. And at the end, I'll give the information again. But the biggest reason this is a special show today is because of my special guest, Nancy Dannison. I'm so thrilled to have Nancy joining me today. I encountered Nancy uh, through a video online, and then I read uh, some of her books that she has. She's an author, obviously, but it's what she writes about that I find uh, so exciting and uplifting. You see, Nancy had a very profound near-death experience. In fact, it is the most extensive one I have ever come across. And I'm quite interested in uh, near-death experience uh, accounts. And so I've listened to quite a few and read quite a few. So it's definitely a notable experience that she's had. And I'm just so thrilled that she's come to join me today. So welcome to my show, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me on, Lisa. And thank you for doing the video. <laughs> it's an adventure. Yeah, you're welcome. It is. It's an exciting new step for the show. And I'm so happy that uh, to have you doing this first one with me. Me too. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction uh, to Nancy's story because it's a bit challenging, I think, for her to talk about how the uh, experience began. But what we're most interested is in what happened during her experience. So in, was it 1994, Nancy? Yes. Yes. Nancy went into the hospital to have a procedure uh, to deal with breast cancer. And during that procedure, certain things occurred that led her to ultimately dying, passing away, crossing over to the other side. Uh, now, she obviously came back, uh, and I'm so thrilled that she did for all of us, so that she could tell us her story. She could tell us what happened um, when she crossed that veil. So I think the best thing here to do is to just let Nancy tell you her story of what happened, and I'll uh, jump in with questions as, as they come up. I think we could probably fill hours and hours of conversation <laughs> and maybe we'll end up doing a part two, but let's see what we can get into our hour today. Uh, so Nancy, if you could just start us off with, um, you know, that initial experience of 
of as you were crossing over and then go into what happened. I was sitting in the mammography room because they, um, it was before the actual surgery and I had to have what's called a needle localization procedure. And that's where the radiologist sticks a needle into um, the center of the three tumors that I had and then pulls the needle out and leaves a wire there so that the wire will show the surgeon where to cut. She had finished that and taken an hour and 15 minutes. We'd done the whole thing twice. So, so the radiologist and the radiology technician left the room and I was just sitting there by myself, you know, in a chair in a hospital gown with my arms on the arms of a chair and the needle sticking out of my breast. And I was sick as a dog. I, my heart rate was way up there and I couldn't slow it down. I was sweating, I was nauseous and I started losing my vision and my hearing. And the next thing I knew, I went, I could feel myself pulling down and out of the middle of my body and then whoosh, I was standing in front of my body, which was still in the chair. And I said to myself, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And while I was, then I, I focused forward and I was in blackness, but it was a comfortable blackness. It wasn't scary to me. And then I saw this tiny pinpoint of light in the distance. And I said to myself, oh, I'm supposed to go into the light. And as soon as I thought that, I was in the light. Wow. And my experience kind of went through stages because I didn't know I died. You know, I would, I'd never lost consciousness. I didn't lose one moment of awareness. So I, I didn't know what had happened. Um, and I'm just in the light being filled with like wave after wave of unconditional love and acceptance. The love I, I expected, it was the acceptance that, that really just blew my mind. I felt I was loved no matter what I had done. I was accepted no matter what I had ever done in my human life. And then the information started downloading into my mind. It seemed like everything I'd ever been interested in and didn't know the answer to during Nancy's life just came flooding into my mind. The biggest one of, wow. one of the, and I call them knowings. And a knowing is different from learning something. A knowing is having everything that could possibly be known about a particular topic in your mind all at once, all completely understandable. And wow. the, biggest, the biggest knowing I received was about the fact that I'm not human, that I'm actually the soul inside the human. And that you know, my personality, obviously my sense of humor, was still the same in, you know, in the light, in the afterlife, as it had been in my body. And the only thing that was missing was fear and, and the fear-related human traits or greed. Um, I still had anger. I, I experienced that later. But um, so I, I spent a lot of time you know, with just getting this information. And Lisa, yeah, I, I could talk for hours nonstop. So if you want to ask a question or if you want to guide me. You know, I'm just fascinated uh, and raptured by it. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just, I was just thinking while you were saying about that, that unconditional love and acceptance. And uh, just before we started our call, we were talking about how 
we tend to be most judgmental of ourselves. So did you feel, while you were feeling accepted by source, were you feeling that for yourself as well? No. I was too busy trying to figure out what had happened. And, and then I, when I started getting the information, I was like, oh, wow, wow, wow. You know, you know, like just watching it like pop into my head. And then <laughs> as I was watching the information pop into my head, I realized I could see through the back of my head. And I could see through the back of my head and down into the mammography room where Nancy's body was sitting. And I, mm. I saw her and I did not recognize her. Wow. And I, you know, I kind of like went around and looked at her and I thought, wow, I don't know what all that vanity was about. You sure don't look like much now. <laughs> I mean, that's not really <laughs> what I thought. And, uh, but then when I realized, well, you know, body's down there on earth and I'm in the light. And I said to myself, nah, I couldn't have died. I mean, I always heard you go through this tunnel, you know, into the light and I'm already in the light without any tunnel and boom, I'm in a tunnel. And, you know, I don't oh, get, wow. I don't get the celestial, you know, loved ones surrounding me, angels singing, you know, glorious stars. I get dirt and a, a, an old, smelly, moldy, like a railroad trellis over top. And there's, you know, railroad tracks over top. And it's like a tunnel underneath the railroad track from like maybe 1920 or something. And I could smell oh. it. I could smell everything. I could feel everything. It was completely as real as anything I've ever experienced in Nancy's life. And so then I started testing that because I realized it, it had appeared when I thought the word tunnel. So I, I did a couple more tests to see, you know, if I was the one creating these, these environments and I was. And then next I saw five lights in the, well, that's when I finally decided I must've died. And that seemed to be like a turning point. And I saw five lights in the distance, different colors. And I said to myself, oh, this is a typical Danison moment. You know, you're supposed to go into the light and I get five of them and I got to pick the right one. And <laughs> so then a voice comes into my mind, not my own voice, that said, it doesn't matter. Just pick one and follow it. And at that point in time, the five lights became five beings. And I recognized them from feel that they were my most beloved, oh, this is going to make me cry, my most beloved, dearest, eternal friends, and that I was home, that I was finally home where I belonged. Oh, and I spent some time with them. Uh, and interestingly to me, they were making noise. They weren't making noises. They communicating telepathically. They telepathically were asking me, you know, like, how'd it go? What happened? What'd you do? You know, tell us everything. It was like, you know, five people that were left on a desert um, with one movie, and now there's a new movie in town. They wanted, they wanted to hear the movie or see the movie. And they told me that they were surprised that I had volunteered to come into human life this time to be Nancy because I was never a good human. I never, I never liked being human. I was never good at it. And they were surprised <laughs> I volunteered to come into Nancy's life. So then I had a life review and they participated in my life review. They like my life review was like a huge bubble around me. 
and scenes from Nancy's life were like floating all over the bubble. And my light being friends were like popping in and out of scenes being me so they could feel exactly what it felt like when I was having the experience. And then one of them was inside the bubble with me. And I realized years later, (laughs) years and years later, that that was the rest of me. Because when we incarnate, we only put part of our energy and personality into physical matter. And the rest of us stays in the light. And so here's the rest of me standing beside me in the bubble. And I got back my memories of hundreds and hundreds of other physical lifetimes. And I was amazed that I... I mean, I, every second, every moment of all of them, they were all in my mind at once. And I was amazed that I could possibly have ever forgotten all that living. Wow. So I didn't, I didn't watch Nancy's life review, you know, been there, done that. I watched these <laughs> other lives, you know. And were those lives, um, from our perspective now, would they have been in our past or were they through all time and space? and? Well... In the afterlife, there's no time. That's a, a human fiction because mm-hmm. hum, humans live linearly and they uh, have you know one event and then the next event and, and so they mark that using the fiction of time. That doesn't exist uh, outside of human life. And so all these other lifetimes were just like all at once. Mm. I'm sorry, wow. I made myself cry. So, well, it just shows us how powerful that is. Um, I can only imagine uh, the the epic feeling that that would that that, that would be. So, I, I'm appreciating that you're sharing it. Yeah. And then I um, started getting more knowings into my mind, and I realized if I focused my attention on what I wanted to know about, I would get that information. So I asked, who is God? Who am I? What's the purpose of life? Why am I on earth? Where's heaven? Where's hell? And what's the one true religion? Because I had been born (laughs) into the Roman Catholic Church, and I was always taught that that's the one true religion. So I wanted to know if that was true. (laughs) And what did you find out? There is no one true religion. Mm. Religions are all man-made. They're all you know, got little kernels of truth in them and lots and lots of myth and superstition and assumptions and projecting humanness onto God when, you mm. know, the, the God source that I met isn't anything like a human. If you'd like to either maybe share some of those insights or, or continue with uh, the progression of your, your story up to you. Uh, it was such a long NDE. I want to get through, you know, the whole sequence of events. So, and, after, and you've written about some of those answers in your books, right? That's yeah. My my first book has the answers to those seven questions, and okay. then it also has um, a section on what I was told during the review of uh, Earth history would be the way to improve human life. So, okay. there's a big section that people probably think I made up, but I didn't. It was what source showed me we could do to improve things. Right. Anyway, so after I got those answers to those seven questions, 
I was like, I can't believe all those people lied to me. You know, did they think I'm stupid? Do they think I couldn't handle the truth? You know, did they, you know, why? Why would all these religious and my parents and everybody at school, why would they tell me something that obviously isn't true? Because I'm living what's true. And I was angry. And I was surprised that I was angry because I didn't think you'd be angry in heaven. But I was. <laughs> and I think in response to that anger, I was shown the entire history of Earth from its creation to its destruction, focusing primarily on the development of religions and how they got started and why they got started and all the evolution of religions over the ages and what they would be in the future. So I would understand, you know, why um, the Catholic Church came up with, you know, the dogma that it did and that, you know, nobody was trying to lie to me or mislead me and they didn't think I was stupid. They were just human. You know, they created their beliefs based on human experience, which is all they, they knew, you know. So that helped calm me down a little bit. But afterwards, I kept saying to myself, somebody ought to tell those people. And by those people, I meant the people down on earth. And I just kept thinking, you know, somebody ought to tell those people. Well, then I went into, up to this point, I was in what I would call the incarnation phase of the afterlife. And we can, okay. we can enter that and leave that anytime we want, as many times as we want. The next phase is where you continue, I continue to live as a spiritual being without any body. And the way I did that was by merging my energy into the energy of one of my five friends and living the lives that they had lived. And I popped into their lives and I could do that either as them, the way they were doing it in my life review, or I could pop into their lives as me experiencing their lives from my perspective. And I did wow. that over and over. So I spent a lot of time doing that. I popped, you know, I'd merge into one friend and then, then the other, and then sometimes two or three of them at once. And then sometimes all five of them at once. And I, I lived for a long time like that, just vicariously by experiencing their lives. So and you're they, experiencing like all of their, what we call all of their past lives or all of the incarnations yes. they've had, as well as their time as a spirit. Yes. And they told me that I had to get comfortable with that kind of merging into um, another personality feeling before I could go forward. Mm -hmm. So with it. So going forward was it's it's not a good word, and I've had a lot of bad response from readers about it, but it's the only thing that I can come up with that kind of fits. I merged into source. And the mm. source that I know is this huge energy field. And it has a core, a core personality and core innate traits. And then its energy just kind of flows out infinitely. So I was coming in from the outskirts of its energy, you know, coming, coming through the Corona, you know, kind of <laughs> little by little, you know, getting closer and closer to the core. And while I was moving through the corona, I watched and felt and remembered creation of the universe. 
I could, I could watch it through Source's eyes doing it mm. and hearing its thinking and its motivations. I was also at the same time watching it through my own personality and thinking my own thoughts about it. And then I had this like soundtrack that was explaining things as I went along. So it's really, <laughs> really cool. And so I watched creation of the universe from its beginning to its eventual end. Wow. Is there anything you can describe about that? Like, well, it must be hard to put into human words and thinking. Well, the universe itself, um, I was shown, is organized on a principle of ebb and flow, or um, we would call it birth and death. Uh, or maybe yin and yang. I don't know if those words fit, but the universe is created of patterns uh, from birth to death or through a cycle of things or through an evolution of things. And by evolution, I don't mean biological evolution. I mean growth. And I was shown that the universe was a huge bolus of energy that came out of Source's mind. It's just imagined. that the energy came out, we call that the Big Bang, and then disseminated and started forming stars and planets and galaxies and, you know, all the things that we see in the physical universe now. Those all took eons and eons to come together. And Source imposed the laws of nature, we would call them. You know, Source created gravity and the laws of physics and, um, you know, all the scientific laws that, that humans discover were all created by source and imposed on the physical universe to govern its journey. And then the universe, so it went out in a parabola shape and it's on its way back into mm -hmm. source's mind and will eventually be absorbed back into source and will no longer exist as the universe that we experience. Mm -hmm. I also watched earth and you know, we, we all sort of know that the beginning of Earth was, you know, gases and physical matter all had to come together and coalesce and, you know, chemicals start formed together and form biological entities. I watched the evolution of humans from lower life forms, and I can't for the life of me remember what the lower life forms were. <laughs> and I have a degree in anatomy and physiology, and I studied zoology, and I wish I could remember that. But... I watched you know, all through the, the course of history, and then I saw Earth's demise, and I don't remember what happened. All I can remember is saying to myself, oh, it went the same way Mars did. So oh. and I, I had watched Mars' destruction, and that's what Earth has in its future, at least according to this review of history and future that I saw. But I don't remember what, what that was. Uh, do you think that perhaps um, you don't remember because it's better that you don't? Uh, or um, I think there are two reasons I don't remember. One is I wasn't coming back to Earth, so I didn't really care what the future was. <laughs> I, you know, uh, let's face it, you know, it wasn't going to bother me. Um, 
the other reason is when I was coming back into my body, I was trying to memorize as much as I could. And I just couldn't grasp it all. You know, I remember yeah. like 0.0000001% of what knowledge was given to me in, in the afterlife. And that was enough to write five books on. Mm. So. Yeah, there's only so much we can retain. Yes. And, you know, I, I could feel the knowledge like seeping out of my mind. Anyway, so the next thing is I got, and I don't know how close, because source isn't really, you know, like the sun, it doesn't really have a corona and it doesn't really have, you know, the physical description that I, I've given it. But I got to the point where I woke up and realized I am source, and I did this to myself, that I had never, make myself cry again, I had never been alone in Nancy's life. I'd never been sent out here to try to earn myself a way back to heaven. I'd never been unloved. I had never been unsupported. That I was source, and I chose to have these experiences as Nancy because I wanted to. Mm. And because at the base of it all, I would always know I was safe because I'm source. Mm. And that blew my mind. Mm. And I'm still thinking, somebody ought to tell those people, you know, down on earth, Somebody ought to tell them. And the next thing I know, I'm like in this whirlwind on my way back down into Nancy's body saying, I didn't mean me. Yeah, I wanted to stay. And, you know, instead of I'm, and I'm just literally like in a, a whirlwind, you know, t- big funnel at the top and going down s- smaller and smaller on the way to Nancy's body. And I'm trying to memorize, you know, everything that I had learned. And my five light being friends were saying over and over and over, love is all that matters. Love is all that truly matters. And I was saying, shut up. I'm trying to memorize this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So then I was, I got back down to the body, kicking and screaming. I did not want to go into it. Mm. I fought going into it. I was stuffed into this cold, wet, heavy, freaky monster of a physical body. And I could feel myself percolating through its cells. But I, I wasn't all the way out to the fingertips or to the toes. I was just barely in the head. So it felt like I was seeing through binoculars and hearing through megaphones. But once I got to the point where I could at least have those sensations, I said out loud, I passed out. And the radiologist and the radiology technician had come back into the room sometime while I was dead. You know, I don't know when they came in. And they were at the back of the room, you know, looking at the films up on the view box. And the doctor turned around and came over to me and she says, do you know who you are? 
I said, oh, yeah. I know who I am. You have no idea. <laughs> how, yeah, you don't have any idea who I am. Um, do you know where you are? And I said, Mamo Room, because I was having a hard time getting the lips to move. She said, do you know who I am? And she was not only my radiologist, she was a client. So I knew her personally. And I said, you look familiar, but I can't place you. And that's when they knew I had been, you know, out of it. So they called a nurse who came running in, took my blood pressure, and it was 60 over palp. Palp means you can feel it, but it's not high enough to register on a blood pressure cuff. And it wow. took a half an hour for my blood pressure to come up to normal. Mm. And during that time, were you feeling yourself like merging more through the body? Or were you yes, sort of remaining? Um, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I percolated all the way out. I can... Just imagine what you're thinking being back in that. Did it take a while for for that sensation of, of your greater self of being that to to shift or just how is how has that transition been for you back to human? I immediately once I percolated all the way back through, you know, they um, took me over to surgery and they had somebody, you know, I don't know if it was a volunteer or a med tech or what, you know, but they had somebody with me the whole time. And the radiologist told, um, you know, the person that she passed me off to that I had lost consciousness. And but anyway, so they took me over to surgery and surgery was great. It was the best sleep I ever had. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was. Um, but from, from the time that I, uh, awakened from the anesthetic, I just felt like the same old Nancy. And I, I just felt just as human as I ever had before, except that everything I'd ever believed was gone and replaced with something new. And that, that was hard. Hmm. Yeah, a, a, a complete, a complete shift. It's like Almost. having the earth pull out from underneath my feet, which is kind of what happened. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I can just imagine what that would be like and how challenging it would be to, to then make sense of, of this world again and your relationship to it and, and how you're, you're going to be in the world. So, so as the, as that was coming back for you, did you did you sort of have an inspiration right away of you know what I'm gonna write books and I'm gonna this that or did it take some time to figure out um, what life was gonna be like now? I think I just tried my best. I talked to my surgeon about what happened to me, and he told me it. You know, I made it up. Um, <laughs> I mean, he just he just didn't believe it. So I tried really hard to just get on with life. I, I realized I, I couldn't stay in my law firm. I couldn't. So you were a, you were a trial lawyer, is that right? Yes. Um, and I was in the white collar criminal defense group in my law firm. We had 270 attorneys and several offices. And I knew I was messed up. And I didn't want my and associates to suffer the fallout of that. 
So I decided okay. to leave the, leave the firm, go out on my own, so that if I crashed and burned, nobody would suffer but me. So I, I left the firm and I set up a solo practice on October 1st. And I spent a lot of time, you know, getting that up and running and, and you know, working as an attorney. Well, then in December, during Christmas season, there was a, a movie on TV. Uh, it was the Daniel Brinkley story, Saved by the Light. Mm-hmm. And... I, and I think you know, never heard on of it. Uh, News for the Soul have definitely heard about Danyan Brinkley. So uh, yeah. please continue. Yeah. So I was watching Danyan and, you know, when he got struck by the lightning through the telephone and he went into the afterlife and went, that's it. That's it. That's what happened to me. I'm not crazy. I didn't make it up. That's when I started really sort of processing the experience. It took me seven years of emotional and physical turmoil and physical damage to process it. I've got brain damage and other bodily damage. But, and it was, it was after that seven years. Well, actually it was during, I had to take a year off from work. I was so physically messed up. I, my body couldn't hold a normal temperature. I couldn't hold normal heart rate. My blood pressure was going up and down, you know, just crazy numbers. And so I, I couldn't work. I couldn't even sit up for more than a few minutes. And so I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with my cardiologist. And it was during that year of not working that I started waking up at 4.30 in the morning with the memories. Mm-hmm. It was back in the afterlife and I was remembering, you know, and I started writing it down. And I generated a thousand pages. Wow. And then started cutting it up into books. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate that you've done that. Um, you know, I, of course, I've read your books and we've, and we've spoken briefly, but is that your raison d'etre now, your reason for being here is to share your story? That's the mission I accept. Well, when, when I was spiraling back into my body, I concluded that I had two parts to my mission back on Earth. One was to tell anybody who would listen, you know, what I experienced and learned in the afterlife. The other was to experience unconditional love in Nancy's life. I don't remember when I first went to my first IAMS meeting, International Association for Near-Death Studies. And I went to the local IAMS meeting and I, you know, told the story and I told that I was supposed to be experiencing unconditional love. And the woman who led the group, who is also a near-death experiencer, looks at me and she goes, Nancy, you could always experience unconditional love. Give it away. Oh, wow. That changed my life. Wow. That's, that's hitting me is, is the yeah. most profound teaching and lesson and so simple, but it sums up everything, doesn't it? Yeah. So I started trying to do that while still practicing law. <laughs> oh, there's an interesting challenge. <laughs> <laughs> How did that work for you? Actually, it worked pretty well. Um, and I was fortunate in that I was a health lawyer and I did primarily Medicare, Medicaid and corporate um, 
advising, you know, to all kinds of healthcare professionals and hospitals. And they're all wonderful giving people. You know, all my clients were just spectacularly open and giving and loving. And, you know, so I was surrounded by the best. Oh, that's fabulous. It's just making me think of how, you know, as you said, we are source, but we are that unconditional love. And I guess to experience that, as you said, it's if you're giving it away, it means you have it to give. We all have it to give. Yeah, you're, and you're remembering that it's in there somehow. And, you know, I think with our, our human limited selves, it's easy to forget or, you know, maybe we've never been told that I think most people aren't told that they're unconditional love. Uh, so we're, you know, going through this. I think it's a time of transformation now where people are waking up to that and and recognizing wait a minute i think that's who i am now how can i experience that how can i live that and so we're trying to figure out how to you know shift things to to live that way of of expressing through life yes and, and people don't realize what unconditional love actually is i get a lot of um reader emails and comments and um that show me that the confusion lies around human experience of love. Human love is conditional. You know, humans right. love yeah. their blood relatives, not always, but you know, blood relatives, um, <laughs> sexual partners, um, mm -hmm. friends, but it's always a tra transactional kind of love. It's, I love you because of what you give to me, or I love you because of how you make me feel, or I love you because together we can build a life. You know, it's always, what am I going to get out of it aspect to it? And that's not unconditional love. The other um, confusion that I, I get from my readers about unconditional love is they seem to think it means you have to let somebody mistreat you as much as they want. You know, they, they seem to think if you love somebody unconditionally, you accept their abuse. And that's not true at all. Loving unconditionally means loving somebody just because they exist. Just because they're there has nothing to do with behavior. You can still choose which behaviors you are willing to accept and which ones you are not willing to accept. And it doesn't mean you don't love that soul unconditionally. It doesn't mean you don't love that human unconditionally. It just means you love yourself too, and you're protecting yourself from harm. Right. So, so saying no isn't a, a rejection of the soul. It is a, a discernment that the behaviors aren't um, aren't aligned with you loving yourself, really. Yes. It's just like, you know, when you're a parent and you're teaching your child, you know, don't do this and don't do that. You're not saying that because you don't love them. You're saying it because you're, you're training them to fit into society. People need to be trained their whole lives. Mm, that's interesting. Trained in, by whom? In what way? For what purpose? Trained by all the people around them so that they have smooth relationships. You know, you, you see it in marriages all the time, you know, the, 
the wife will train the husband to fix clothes up and the husband will train the wife, you know, watch football with him. I mean, you know, it's, it's finding a happy medium, but it's also, you know, setting boundaries and, and, uh, you know, making it clear that you love someone unconditionally, but that doesn't mean you're a doormat. Right. Absolutely. Nancy, if there were particular things that you felt were most important for people to hear from your experience, what what would you say that those are? And there's lots, and we and I encourage everybody to read all your books because we need to know it all. But just the like the nuggets of, please get this if you don't get any. Please get this if you don't get anything else. We are powerful. We are aspects of source, the almighty, the creator, the all-knowing, the all-loving, the all-giving. We have tremendous power, even though we're kind of captured in these human bodies right now. These bodies are not us. They're animals that we inhabit. We can train them. We can set their personalities aside and be our true spiritual self. So I learned there were five spiritual superpowers that we can experience in human life. The first is we can have multiple simultaneous levels of awareness. Mm. By that, the easiest formulation of that in human life is you can experience through meditation or the power of now you've heard the power of now, you know, being pre present in the you know, present moment, but you quiet the mind, let all the words stop, make your mind a complete blank and step back and be aware that you've made your mind a complete blank. And then eventually you're going to see a thought come in. You will see the thought come into the mind. Whose mind is that? You're watching the mind that you saw the thought come in to. So that's the human mind. You're the watcher. And when you get those two, that's multiple simultaneous levels of awareness. You're aware of the human mind. You're aware of yourself and your own mind. Once you can achieve that objective observer feeling, sensation, watching the human, then you're in your spiritual self. And that's where you have the power. You can access what I call universal knowledge. You can learn anything you want to learn from anything the source knows. You can be your own psychic um, by getting information about your life, other people's lives, you know, the same way from universal knowledge. That's all accessing what I call accessing universal knowledge. You can learn to consciously manifest the events of your life. You know how... When I was in the afterlife, I created this tunnel, and then I, after that, I created a meadow, and after that, I created a hospital corridor. Those were real. They're every, they were every bit as real as Earth, because we as source have the power to manifest physical reality that humans think is real. So you can learn to do that consciously. We all do it unconsciously based upon our beliefs, the things that we truly and deeply believe, 
And most of those beliefs come from childhood before we have any real self-awareness or any real understanding of, of life and who we are. So we can overcome those childhood beliefs and learn to consciously manifest a much better life for ourselves. Mm. We can self-heal. Some of us are lucky enough to heal others. I, I love the natural healers among us. They, you know, I wish I could do it more. We can heal these bodies physically, emotionally, mentally, using our spiritual power of self-healing. And we can experience unconditional love. Those are our five superpowers. They are superpowers. And thank you for helping us understand that they're accessible to us here and now while we're in this life that we're in. And yes. I would like to go deeper into those with you, but I think we'll have to save that for another show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that we have, there's so much um, that we can talk about and, and I think that would be very inspiring for people to, to help them understand more how that they can actually bring those five truths into their life in a tangible way. I think for some, it might seem right now like, like a dream and impossibility because they have no idea how, um, how they can manifest, how they can heal. Um, but you know, I, I do some, uh, energy healing, the physical healing, uh, spiritual healing. So I have that taste of that. So I know that I went from being like just a normal everyday person to being able to do that. So I know it's possible. So um, I'd like if we can help inspire more people to recognize that all these things are possible for themselves. That's why I wrote my books. That's what my books are about, how to do all those things. So because it is about time for us to wrap up before um, our time is up for the show, how would people uh, get your books and get in touch with you and all the, if you can share what you offer and how people can access that? My books are available from any bookstore, um, bricks and mortar or online. Uh, online, Amazon.com carries them, BarnesandNoble.com, eBay, Walmart, you know, a bunch of online bookstores. Um, and what are the titles of your books? The first one was Backwards, Returning to Our Source for Answers. The second one was Backwards Guidebook. And Backwards and Backwards Guidebook were originally one man. They were part of a thousand pages. They were, you know, one manuscript. And I didn't know if I'd ever be able to publish another book after the first one. So I put a summary of everything in the first one. And then my other books kind of expound on that. Um, and Backwards Guidebook answers readers' questions that I got from reading the first book. Third book is called Backwards Beliefs, Revealing Eternal Truths Hidden in Religion. And what that book does is reconciles my Catholic beliefs before I died with what I learned in the afterlife and explains that you can you don't have to have everything ripped away from you. You don't have to have all your beliefs you know, ripped away like I did. You can use them as a foundation and then build on them with the information that I brought back from the, from the afterlife. And that book g- gives everything I can remember about that history of Earth that I watched. 
Mm. And then the fourth book is called Answers from the Afterlife. And that's really just a compilation of all the emails, uh, newsletters, you know, things I'd sent out over the years, answering readers' questions, organized by topic. And then the fifth book is called uh, Create a New Reality, Move Beyond Law of Attraction Theory. And it explains in detail how to consciously manifest something better into your life or a whole new life. Hmm. Wow. Thank you. And in your website that they could go to for finding all of that? I have two of them. Um, the first one is backwardsbooks.com, B-A-C-K-W-A-R-D-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And that's got all my books and CDs and DVDs. And then uh, when I retired from practicing law, I transformed my old nancydanison.com law firm website into a new website that just deals with manifesting. And so I've got my manifesting materials on there. And, you know, there's a way to sign up for manifesting coaching on that website. And you can get so a hold of me through either website. And so you offer one-to-one coaching in, in manifesting in your life? Yes. Wonderful. And I guess nowadays you do that over the phone and internet. <laughs> yes. I've always done it over the phone because my clients are all over the world. Wonderful. Thank you so very, very much for being a guest on my show, but for coming back from that bliss to help us and to share, um, to share what's there, what's, what, what is available and all of these wonderful tools uh, to help us be able to hopefully live better lives. Uh, I think you're doing a great job as a human being, Nancy. <laughs> so thank you so Thanks. much. You only see the spiritual side of me. <laughs> <laughs> we all have all sides, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we can do another interview at some point and, uh, and engage with people more and, and spread the inspiration. Sounds so, good. Yeah. So thank you very much. And thank, thank you to everyone for listening and watching. Bye for now. For information on my guests and details of my offerings, as well as past episodes of Spirit Speaks and the show schedule, head to lisavirtue.com. That's L-I-S-A-V-I-R-T-U-E.com. If you would like to talk to Spirit or create a deep transformation in your life, email me, Lisa at lisavirtue.com. There's something so rich and wonderful in that personal connection that really makes you feel heard and known. I look forward to connecting with you, both personally and on the next show in two weeks' time. Until then, remember, live your authentic life.